on 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Josh Wilkins. Next to take for Heidelberg United. 100% record so far. Three from three. Make that four from four, and he's gone the same way again, Andy. Thomas Manos. Unless he's playing his own game within the game, Thomas Manos is setting someone up for an easy save. He's leaving the run late because Heidelberg with that goal clear. And that means that Yanni Fragoyanis has to score this. If he misses, Heidelberg are in the last eight of the FFA Cup. All on this for Sydney United. Saved! It's Heidelberg's Knights. They are in the last eight of the Westfield FFA Cup for the second time in their history. And Victoria's dominance over New South Wales continues. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diegos here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football tonight. A, uh, Simon Hill there with thanks to Fox Sports calling the penalty shootout of the FFA Cup round of 16 clash between Heidelberg United and Sydney United there where Heidelberg won 4-3. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you tonight. Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Good evening, Rodrigo. Hello, listeners. Good to be here. Nice to have you along as well. Carlos, welcome to you. Yes, uh, I smell the romance in the air. Can you smell romance? <laughs> I, I smell the uh, magic, Carlos. Yeah, the yeah, magic. No, for me, it's romance. Yeah, it's romance. FFA it's Cup, romance. Yeah, and no, I like romance too. Yeah. Warren, what about you? How are you? Yeah, no, good to be back, Rodrigo. <laughs> and I don't know what I smell. It could be romance. <laughs> it could be whatever. But I, right from the very start, I mean, I don't know what was said about my absence last week oh, by Carlos no, no, in particular. Uh, let's, let's be quite clear. We said you were being probed and you enjoyed being probed. Can I say, that makes light of a seri- serious medical condition. <laughs> you limped in, um, oh, Warren, you yeah. limped in. Yeah, yeah. yep, yep. No, Did I'm, they I'm... take your Coutinho? <laughs> your they golden might be Coutinho? It uh, it's in a jar beside my bed. <laughs> 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 it's all right. I thought he played cricket. Yeah, I want to ask you about Melbourne Victory, the best team ever in the uh, history of the oh, A-League. This is all part of a grand plan to suck the doubters in, Carlos. <laughs> Hey, thanks to Finey again on a fantastic show. And obviously, just before the Diego, Zanners and Poults as well. A great show reminiscing on the VFL days. Hey, 94291116, if you want to have a chat tonight to the Four Diegos about the FFA Cup, we'll go through the scores very, very shortly. Or send us a text message on 0433981116. Vinny Venezuela. I won't lie to you, Rodrigo. Don't lie. I, I hate it when victory loses to Adelaide more than I hate it when they lose to Melbourne City. I yeah. hate losing to Adelaide. Well, hate. Vinny Venezuela has just basically uh, preempted that. Adelaide United defeated Melbourne Victory 3 0. Absalonson, I just want to say that name. Blackwood <laughs> at his new club scored a penalty. And Constantopoulos scores for Adelaide United to thrashing Melbourne Victory in the end. We all thought Melbourne Victory might have. Uh, Sailed through this, but uh, wasn't Warren did. Warren did. Warren did. Well, I, yeah, I yeah. thought they'd win this too. By the way, yeah, but, it's, um, it's against uh, it's 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 toy games right now. They're true. friendlies. It's way way into preseason. Still a long way to, be, to go before the real stuff happens. And uh, Warren's carrying on like the you know World Cup champions or something last week when they beat uh, who they beat nobody's uh, Queensland <laughs> uh, Brisbane Raw. Uh, 6-1 or something. Yeah, something like that. But uh, that was never, ever going to be an indicator of how good these guys were going to be. Congratulations to South Melbourne, who defeated Sorrento 
uh, 4-1. Monopolis, Epifano scored twice and Lugit scored uh, for South Melbourne. Fantastic win, 4-1. Yeah. And Gold Coast City defeated Moreton Bay Bugs or Moreton Bay United <laughs> 1-0. <laughs> uh, congratulations to the, the guys at South Melbourne. They actually yeah, had a, a little bit of a view of their new facility there. They'd spent a lot of money on mm. uh, a new bistro, but they've also got the indoor soccer while people are eating at the bistro. Fantastic idea. Uh, it just looks a magnificent uh, uh, you facility. Know, facility, which probably rivals you know, some of the A-League clubs that are out there too. So obviously they're striving. Their aspirations are to be A-League. They've just, if they go deep into this uh, FFA Cup, and who's to say that uh, uh, the likes of Heidelberg and South can't make the final? That would be, talk about romance for me, that would be so romantic. So what depth is the final eight, Carlos? That's pretty deep. You know, so yeah. they want to go deeper, of course. Yeah, there's four, the game, yeah. four games in this next round. Uh, once they get through next, yeah. uh, the next lot of uh, uh, round of 16 games, yeah. there's four games. That's right. There so you go. So they're in the final eight. So yep. if you're a Heidelberg fan or a South Melbourne fan and you're cock-a-hoop, I even heard Fanny <laughs> say that uh, driving in tonight, uh, give us a call, 94291116. Fantastic results. Uh, for the two NPL teams, and Melbourne victory kind of let, this, let the team down tonight. Yeah, well, Melbourne, it hasn't been a good week for Melbourne teams. Melbourne City lost two behind closed doors against Newcastle, their first defeat of the preseason. How'd you know? Significant. It's behind oh, closed doors. How'd no, you know? I put a drone up, Carlos, <laughs> myself. I put a drone up and I, I've detected. And I've, I'll Heck, say it now. Really, I think that is a statement of how they're going to go this season. Losing against Newcastle Jets? Mm-hmm. Really? Do you want me to give you a prediction? <laughs> Besides Melbourne victory being the dominant force, they'll cut a sway through Asia this year, victory. Not just on the continent. <laughs> Good on you, Warren. Not on the continent, through Asia. <laughs> okay. Melbourne, Newcastle will be the biggest improvers in the A. I know that's that seems Does it strange. concern you that Melbourne City fans don't like you? <laughs> and you're a Melbourne City supporter? Who says that? Well, the way you're talking up, I'm happy for you to talk up victory. I know City are keeping a very low key approach yeah. this season. We, I don't, unlike Adelaide, I know turning over your list is a good thing, but Adelaide have got no one on their team that played last year or one or two. I think Melbourne and they've won their two FFA Cup they games. Have, they have, and, and let me just say, I think they've picked up one of the young stars of Australian football in George Blackwood is playing out of his skin, and they love him mm. in Crow Eater territory, that's for sure. They great love size him. And, great size and shape, Blackwood. Yeah. But Melbourne City are taking a low-key approach, Finney. We'll be okay. Hey, next week, uh, the second half of the round of 16 games uh, will be played. Bankstown Berries take on Sydney FC. That's a scary name, yeah, isn't it? It's a scary name. Poisonberry. Yeah. Uh, there you go, yep. Vinny. Bentley Greens uh, played home to Western Sydney Wanderers. Poison Greens. <laughs> Blacktown City uh, play Apia, Leichhardt Tigers, and Hakoa Sydney City play Melbourne City next week. So they're the games. That'll determine the final eight in the FFA Cup. Fantastic. 9429-1116. So let's start with Heidelberg United and Sydney FC. What did you make of tonight's game? It was really good to watch, wasn't it? Even for a one-all game, it it, uh, it offered plenty. It, it, it lacked, by the way... To watch. But, it was yeah, a good both game sides had their chances, but they didn't really lack the class and the quality to finish those chances. I mean, Kenny Affew, everyone's talking about him after the Perth game. He had five or six guilt-head chances tonight, which he couldn't put away. And I think that is the difference between NPL and, say, A-League. Not that they're prolific necessarily at A-League level, but the sharpness of training every day uh, against really, really good players and playing top-notch football 
you know, as part of your career. I think that would sharpen someone like a Kenny. But he um, he probably had the best chances of that of that game. But Sydney United had a lot of the ball and they at times pinned Heidelberg back. So I thought it was a really, really terrific game. Well, it was a Cinderella comeback for them as well because, uh, you know, deep into a extra, not extra time, um, yeah, stoppage, not stoppage time, extra time. Yeah. They, they were down 1-0 and they... They got one back, which was right amazing. It was yeah. a beautiful, nice, nice play, nice build-up play, nice finish. Yeah. So they deserved to go to penalties, and then they kind of caved in the penalty shootout. But that happens sometimes. I know that we like the NPL teams coming up against the A League teams, and I think it's good. But I actually think that these games, where you've got two NBL teams from different states, it actually lends itself to to really good games. And you're right; it sort of lacks a bit of class. But you know, if you can get those. If you can get those games and get one of those MPL teams through to a semi-final, then in a one-off game in a semi-final against an A-League team, you've got a chance for that romance to happen. Now, there's probably every chance with the way with Melbourne Victory and Adelaide playing against each other and the way that's worked that you'll get a, a quarter-final of two MPL teams and then maybe a chance for them to play off in the semi-final. So I sort of like the fact that they're coming up against each other rather than being knocked out by A-League teams earlier in the competition. And I really hope that Heidelberg and South Melbourne and even Bentley Greens, if they make their way to the next stage and they're playing A-League teams, that they go at them. You know, we hope that they're not going to be opened up and there'd be you know, a big score against them. But Heidelberg showed with some real aggression, some being really combative and preparing to go at Perth Glory the way they did, that they, they could trouble them. Now, I'm not saying that they would do that to a Melbourne City or a Melbourne Victory, but Melbourne Victory are out of the competition uh, and because they, you know, either complacent or Adelaide are uh, maybe fitter at the moment. Who knows what the story is, but they, in the second half, own that game today, Adelaide, where in the first half, I believe, Melbourne Victory not having seen the game, but from the all reports, the Melbourne Victory um, game in that first half was quite good. So I want these MPL clubs, if they do get to this quarterfinal stage and they draw an A-League club, to go at them. I don't want to see parking the bus, scrappy play, panicking, kicking the ball out. That that defeats the purpose, I think. Like Heidel- in football, basically. Yeah, you want to go at them. You know? Like Heidelberg did yeah. against Perth. Yeah. What, what I loved was how much it meant to, to everyone. George Katsakis on the... On the yeah, just just on the touchline there it was just. I know he was just riding everything that his players were going through, and Jeff Olvey, you see him in the background. He's uh, sporting a nice full beard there as uh, <laughs> Jeff, a hipster. Yeah, hipster, hipster, hipster Jeff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just meant so much to you both can, clubs too. You know, this you know. is a club that's already won the Doherty Cup this year. They won the league on the weekend, the NPL Victorian League. Now they're 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 in the grand. They're in a final series in Victoria, a big chance of winning that. They're in the, now the quarterfinals mm. of the FFA Cup. They've also got to play. If they win the, if they become champions of the NPL after you know, winning the grand final here in Melbourne. They play in the national NPL. For, I mean, these guys could finish up with four or five trophies in a matter of six weeks, mm. and that is just such fantastic reward. And how much would you remember that for the rest of your life oh, yeah, if you were part of that group? And they're just such a tight. Uh, spirited bunch. Now we haven't seen much of South Melbourne, uh, granted, because we've seen Heidelberg, you know, in their games against Perth and tonight. South Melbourne sound like they are much the same. They finished second though in the NPL, but they're obviously quality. Uh, they've there's a bit of a, I suppose, a bit of a, you know, something for them to achieve more than just winning the FFA Cup. It's actually making a statement to FFA 
that this club deserves to be in the A League. So there's a, some greater mm. some greater aims here, which I find really interesting. And the fact that the the quite a quite a good good proportion of of travelling fans went up there, yeah. sort of midweek to uh, see a game. That's sensational too. Mm. Well, was it three three coach loads. It was fantastic. Yeah. Great stuff. So Heidelberg United and South Melbourne through to the uh, next phase, and uh, we're hoping the Bentley Greens who play. Western Sydney Wanderers next week. And Melbourne City uh, for Warren's mob there. Uh, mm. t- uh, defeat Hakoa uh, Sydney City East. That's their name. Yeah, that's right. Hakoa Sydney City East. Yeah. Who are the West? Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, away from home. So looking forward to next week's uh, round of 16 clashes in the FFA Cup. Hey, guys, uh, Ange Postacoglu named his uh, squad of 23 to take on Japan and also Thailand, of course, in the World Cup qualifiers. Well, well the, J- the Japan game... It's almost like a grand final. It's it's got that feel about it, hasn't it? Because we get well, we, we want to go there and win, of course, but uh, we get a point that sets us up beautifully for the game against Thailand. Vinny, what do you make of this? We go we go for a win. We go hard. We're not here to play games. No, we're, we're not. And Ange doesn't sound like a man who's uh, who's not who's here to play games. He's, he, he's, he's invested too much time in getting this formation attacking and playing fluid fluent football to to play games. Can't wait. I can't wait for that. Uh, yeah, Warren. I think the timing. Of these, of these games is really significant for Australia. I think if we looked at Australia's performances in the latter half last season, not only was Rogic injured, but Moy had played seventy or or so games at the uh, during a really big championship season. I think there was uncertainty. I think the timing, if you look at the start of the season, Rogic has just started. Moy's only played a couple of games. I think. Um, Lecky has moved to a new club and he's started well. So I'm not saying that it's certain that they're going to get a positive result against Japan because you could probably say that for the Japanese, although, you know, they don't seem to have their players going as well as what the best Australian players are going. I think if they can defend well and take what's going to come from the Japanese early in the game, I think the midfield going forward looks really promising for Australia. So I think it's really good timing that these friendlies are right now with our best players playing really well. I think you're really right about not being fearful of this Japanese side. They're a decent side, don't get me wrong. I'm At not home, fearful. Not, you know, maybe Warren was talking about... No, uh, I'm not fearful. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. The reason why I'm not fearful uh, in the past you, you could be fearful of the Japanese side is because the way Ange wants to go at these... Uh, these sort of teams is the same as he does in every game. Uh, really try and pin teams back in their own half and try and dispossess them and turn the ball over in good areas where we've got the numbers. And the Japanese will not, they won't sit back like they did at Etihad Stadium and try and park the bus, close down the space and get us on the break. That's not the way they'll play at home. So I think the way the game, the way I'm seeing it pan out will suit us. Uh, especially if the guys like Rogic and Moy and our important players really play well. So they're using the ball well when we get possession. They're sharing it well. They're breaking quickly. I think that is our best chance. But if the Japanese, and they won't, but if the Japanese sat back and, uh, and waiting for us to break them down, that is something that we've had problems with, but it just won't happen over there because they're expected to come at us. So I see big gaps in midfield. I see space everywhere for our good players, but our good players have got to match their good players. 
because they're expected to have a lot more possession over there too. Midlay Yednak's uh, obviously out of this out of this side yeah. with an injury and um, a bit of doubt over uh, Trent Sainsbury in terms of he's not played a lot of football. No disrespect to Millay. I mean, I think it gives Mark Milligan an opportunity maybe to play in that spot. I'm not sure what Ange will do around that, but I don't think they lose too much, in all honesty, with Millay. I think Australia can bounce well off the Confederations Cup. I think Ange, as much as you know, they didn't get a win, I think Ange proved again that when he gets his squads together for a period of time, they improve through a competition. They definitely did in that comp. I think they'll bounce off that really well. You know, the home-based Japanese players, they haven't really started their season, much like the A-League players. I, I think it'll come down to the classiest guys on both teams producing on the night. And my sense is, with Rogic and Moy and Leckie, that Australia might have a, a, a more than a fluker's chance of getting the win. I think they can go and be confident. You got to, the Japanese are dangerous on the counter because let's not un, let's not uh, forget that they are technically they are very good at what they do. And I think the Socceroos will impose themselves, and it will be an interesting game. But Ange won't be taking anything for granted. Look, I think in terms of the other one that we forgot to mention, who's in a bit of good good vein of form is Juric, who's yeah. been scoring confidently and he's sort of asserting himself. So I think that we're a squad that uh, the, the Samurais will be afraid of or wary of in, in all parts of the park, I think. Yeah, but the problem we've got, just a bit of a problem, is our back three. Because he's going to go with a back three. Uh, potential, like Sainsbury hasn't played. He's, he's still getting over an injury. He's been picked. And I asked Ange today um, with Francis Leach, we actually interviewed Ange and asked him about Sainsbury and what criteria he would use to select him. And he goes, well, look, we've kept tabs on him. Uh, we don't wait for someone to come into the camp before we start assessing him. We've kept tabs on him. We've been in dialogue with this guy for ever since the Confederations Cup. So they've got a sense of, you know, where he's at before he comes to camp. Then they'll assess him again at camp. But if he's not right, and even if he is right, he hasn't had any game time because he hasn't been playing for his club. So suddenly we've got him that's uncertain. Matthew Speranovic is playing in the second division in China, and I think the last seven games he's been playing, but before that he was injured. And I wonder about how mobile he is this, these days to play the back three. And the other one is Matt Yerman, who's been playing regularly. In fact, he's probably more suited and ready to play in that back three. He's a left-sided yeah, player left side. too, so, so there's he more balance. naturally yeah. on that side. So it'd be really interesting to see those three, if, if they were all fit, match fit, uh, raring to go, what as a foundation of our backline and our, and our starting off because they could all play too. By the way, they're all quite good with ball at feet, uh, and so that's the only thing. You know, are, are the guys ready? Because they're very clever. You know, Okazaki and these sort of guys for mm. um, for Japan, really clever forwards who are quick, uh, tricky, and they'll stretch it. Once those three back three get stretched, and there's gaps in between them, that's where the Japanese. Will uh, will cause some damage. Do you think that uh, trains Sainsbury, given that he hasn't been training much or, or playing much, w- when he gets that call, when they're making you know dialogue with him, when they're dialoguing, he just picks up the phone and he's panting to make it sound like <laughs> he's, he's been training. training and he's <laughs> yeah. What they do? Yeah, going well. Apparently, they've got an app, right? They've got an app that's uh, specifically for the players. No one else gets this app. We can't download this app, right? And there's five or six questions every day uh, from the minute they wake up. You know, how much sleep did you have? 
they do a training session, what intensity was it? I mean, there's five or six critical questions that all, it's more than just a squad. There's about 60 players, uh, Australian players around the world who are potentially going to play for Australia. They all have to, um, you know, uh, con- you know, put their information in this app daily. And that all goes back to a data centre uh, at FFA and it gets collated. So they actually get an idea of how players, whether they're injured, how they've recovered from games, how they're feeling day by day, uh, what they're eating, all that sort of stuff. It's just, it really is cutting edge stuff these days. Yeah, no room for anyone to make stuff up there, Carlos. No. No, not really. <laughs> I think there might be just quietly. But hey, um, can't wait for the games. Uh, Saitama is the venue for the Japan game versus, versus the Socceroos. 31st of August, and then they come to Melbourne at the Rectangular Stadium yep. versus Thailand on the 5th of September. That's obviously a must-win game as well, so yep. we'll be talking more about that uh, in the following weeks. Hey, let's take a break now and come back with more of the Four Diego's and Mike McGrath on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Thanks for joining us on this chilly Wednesday night, FFA Cup night round of 16, Heidelberg United defeated Sydney United. It was one all at, uh, after extra time, but uh, Heidelberg won 4-3 on penalties. South Melbourne thrashed Sorrento 4-1. Adelaide United made uh, easy work of uh, Melbourne victories, certainly in the second half. 3-0, and Gold Coast City defeated, defeated Moreton Bay United 1-0. It is the Four Diego's. Thanks for your company tonight. Let's go to the UK and catch up with our man on the ground there from The Sun in the UK, thesun.co.uk. Mike McGrath, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, nice to talk to you, Mike. It's Rodrigo, Vinny Venezuela, Warren, and uh, Carlos is here as well. Warren wants to ask the first question he begged me tonight. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Um, <laughs> you know the, the depth of respect I have for you in particular. Not so much Carlos, because you know what you're talking about. But I think it's important for you to acknowledge that you and Carlos were both wrong about <laughs> Philip Coutinho. You said two weeks ago that the young lad's head's been turned. The young lad. No, no. It, it, his, his head hadn't been turned. I think you questioned the resolve of Liverpool in terms of whether Liverpool wanted to keep him and, and that. And clearly it's been demonstrated over the last two weeks that Barcelona have provided us with a pittance, really, for our player <laughs> that Coutinho's not going anywhere, buddy. He's staying where he is. And after the international break, he'll be brought back into the fold by Jürgen and everything will be okay. So are you prepared to question? admit your mistake? Is this a are question? You, are you prepared to admit that you've made an error there? Some, some of it. Some of that rang true. Very good. Um, but, never, but not quite all. I, I, I do think his head was turned and I do think it's going to, it's going to be difficult to get back into um, into the fold at Anfield. But I thought, I did think that once Barcelona came really strong for him, that it would be a matter of time. I think the big, big difference um, between other deals is the fact that the Liverpool owners got involved. And that was a big turning point, I think. And, and once they did get involved, then it, it made it look like, that we 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 cannot back down now because um, you know if, if we back down now it would it would have implications for for the future. So I think one I think that changed the goalpost uh, slightly, but they've still got a massive problem to get a player that wants to go to Barcelona kind of on board and and playing as well as he was last season. Mike, it's Carlos. That's exactly what I'm thinking too. They've got to welcome this guy back into the fold. 
they've got to let bygones be got bygones, and that's just the the players that he's playing with and the coaching staff. But the Anfield fans, they don't just because he's a good player suddenly forgive him. I mean, he's almost got to come back and score goals and be brilliant for weeks before they forget the fact that he put a transfer request in. That's sacrilege. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's difficult because obviously with. With Liverpool, there's normally this expectation that playing for the shirts, uh, you know, playing in front of the cop is is really good enough and should be the pinnacle of people's career. Where, you know, recent seasons we've seen that players like Raheem Sterling do want to leave, or Luis Suarez do, you know, they they want to leave for what they see as bigger things. So, I think what you know, what would be really good for um, Coutinho is to maybe. Follow the example of Luka Modric, who had um, who had Real Madrid after him um, at Spurs, gave Spurs one more year, got them to the Champions League knockout stages, and then was granted his move. I think that would be the only scenario where um, everybody would be a winner out of it. And Mike, have they blocked Coutinho's email account so he doesn't email Suarez anymore? <laughs> because that would be very tempting. Yeah, well. And then, and then maybe the transfer request wouldn't get through either. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that that's. Um, but I, I think it's it's clear that it, it, being a Brazilian like he is, I think it's really um, in, you know that that is uh, the pinnacle for him is to play for Barcelona. It is quite um, uh, you know it's pretty harsh on him not to have that dream realised because yeah things can change so quickly in football that. In a year's time, he may not get the chance to do it. Mike, you need to explain that to Warren, that as a Brazilian, that's where you want to play. You want to play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. You don't want to play for Liverpool, yeah? No, no, you don't, Vinny. Um, Mike, for um, for EPL experts like yourself and myself, the gift, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving is Arsenal. Now... The roller coaster that is Arsenal, you know, they went through the rough patch, finished off brilliantly at the end of the season. Arsene Wenger signed a new deal and everything seemed to be fine. They pretty much were very lucky to get out of the first game against Leicester, who really took it at them at the Emirates. And then they go away to one of those places that they just struggled with so much last year and get a loss. Is there any rumblings already? And... Can they actually put up with another season like this that will invariably go with ups and downs and controversies and fans not being unhappy? Or do you think they'll get through this rough patch at the start of the season? Um, well, I, I, I don't really see, you know, not, not much has really changed. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure whether anybody really expected it to change either. You know, there are... They're a top four, top five team now, you know, and they're playing Europa League football. Um, I just didn't really, I, I just don't know where the, you know, the expectation would be maybe that they surprise a few people. They don't have the Champions League, so they, you know, their focus is on the on the Premier League. But really, it's kind of nothing really has changed much at um, at Arsenal in that respect in recent years. I think it's just carried, it has carried on as normal. So. Um, I'm not sure where they go from here. It's going to be really interesting to see if they can resist any um, bids from Sanchez next week because I think the money will go quite high and that will kind of that that will probably determine where they are in terms of what they want out of the season. 
Hey, Mike. I've never, I've never been good at calling Cinderella stories. At what point do we call Huddersfield the Cinderella story? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you can probably do it now. To be honest, it's a great, absolutely fantastic tale already. The fact that they've won two, not conceded a goal yet, and you know and they've they've got a chance of winning at home again. I think they got Southampton, uh, and they they they've all. You know, I know you guys have got a real. Um, you know, you've got your eye on Aaron Moy quite rightly. He's in, you know, he's in great form. I think in general, there's a lot of good things going on there, um, starting with the manager um, and some very hungry players. And and I think that they're they're going to have dips during this season. Inevitably, they'll have dips. But you know, if they can just keep playing like they have done in those first two games, they'll they'll get to forty and 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 beyond. Um, and, and it'll be a, a very memorable season for them. Mike, how big is a club like Huddersfield? I mean, they're a club that's, uh, you know, over a, a century old, even older than that, and they were a huge club uh, success-wise in England in the 20s and the 1920s and even before that. Uh, they were the powerhouse, but if they were to become, you know, a winning team at the EPL level over a number of years... How big is their supporter group? Is it a thirty thousand, you know, uh, sort of supporter group? Is it forty, fifty thousand? How big is this club? No, I mean it's. I mean Huddersfield itself is, in, in my lifetime anyway, is um, have been. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't even call them kind of sleeping giants, really, because, like you say, their time was you know well before the modern era, and then. They have been in the top flight in more recent years, but really the last few years have been championship. They've had they've had good players. They've had good managers. I remember Steve Bruce being there. But I think you know they're not a big club. They they've got a capacity of um, yeah under twenty five thousand at the at the John Smith Stadium. So, but they have got that you know real loyal fan base. And we saw the players doing the the bow in front of them and it feels like they've got real momentum there um probably you know they, i don't think they've got many fair weather fans anyway you know they, they've got some guys that have been been there in the championship with them um so it really is it, they are um they're, they're kind of a they're, they're as small as you can get for the premier league them and, and bournemouth and what they've got is a really they've got a manager that's really going places and if they can keep him then they will get, you know, the sky's the limit really in terms of what their reputation could be like. Mike, uh, before Roberto Baggio sort of finally retired, he went from his, his big Serie A club to his old club Brescia and, uh, you know, put in a couple of good seasons. I think he had about two before before he hung up the boots well and truly. Now, Wayne Rooney's gone back to Everton and now, you know, we're only two two rounds in, but he scored... He scored again on the weekend. He's hung up the boots uh, for for England. How good is this player in terms of just uh, what he's offered the game and what he's offered England? Yeah, just a really, you know, incredible... I'm trying to think now about... It was, it, obviously, the uh, 2004 is when he really emerged on the international scene. So that's like 13 years at the very top. Um, I think he's contributed a, a lot. You know, he'll be remembered as an England legend, you know, scoring 50 goals for the Three Lions, and and I think we'll probably only just appreciate him kind of from now on, rather than 
during his England career because we'll probably look back quite fondly at what he's done. Um, uh, for me, what stands out is that he never he never shirked anything. That that's in terms of turning up to matches, which may be hard to believe, but players do pull out with slight injuries. But Wayne Rooney was never one to do that, um, and you know a hundred percent effort for for England. Um, and and he did get results as well, you know, in terms of his goal scoring. So I think he'll be remembered really fondly, and um, and and he, he put a hell of a lot into it. He was also a very honest player, wasn't he? There, I, I remember seeing several games where he could have sort of gone down and and, and milked a penalty or, or sort of gone down for a penalty, but he he stayed. He always stayed on his feet to try and get the honest goal. Yeah, I think the honesty that he that he had sometimes could be seen as a weakness as well because it meant yeah, it did mean so much to him that sometimes he saw you know, saw the red mist as he did um the four one tournament uh, where when he when he picked up his ban and and that was kind of the hallmarks of his game really, that he put that um raw kind of passion into it, what he felt for England. Um I think I think um fans they don't appreciate it. They they certainly will learn to appreciate what you put in. Now, Mike, with Rooney though, I know that it almost looked like his career was over when uh, he left uh, Manchester United. But he sort of revitalised that with uh, some good pre-season performance of Everton and also scoring in the first two rounds of the EPL. So in that respect, I'm actually a little bit surprised he has uh, called it quits for England because Gareth Southgate apparently, from what I hear and what I've read, was interested in uh, in bringing him back into the fold again. Did it surprise you at all or was there some suggestion that maybe Southgate wasn't going to consider him going forward and maybe looking at the new generation? I mean, I think Gareth Southgate certainly was looking at the new generation and he didn't want... He certainly didn't want to bring in players such as Michael Carrick, who in last season's form, you would say, did deserve a place in the team. But he, was, on the record, said, I, you know, I wanted to look forward in terms of youth players. And I think, you know, Wayne Rooney wasn't in his plans. So um, look, the statement today says that Southgate wanted to bring him back, but but Wayne Rooney retired, so we have to take that at face value and, and say that he was gonna, yeah, he was gonna recall him, um, which was a hell of a uh, turnaround, really, and, and shows you what uh, a intelligent move in the transfer market can do for you, because you know, he's, he's gone from being on the sidelines at Man U to being on the brink of an England recall. Um, an amazing start to the season for him, uh, really, and and and. But I, I think obviously he didn't want to be in the England squad and being just a, a bit part player. He wanted to be the captain and the and, and the centre of it all. So I could understand why he, uh, why he's called it called it quits now. Mike, can you predict the month that Rafa's going to walk away from Newcastle because <laughs> it's not started well. And he's not going to stick it out if it's going the way that it is going, surely. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's a real um, it's a real change now over here with how managers see the job. You see somebody like Big Sam who walked away from Palace and um, 
well, a few years ago, you might have thought nobody, you know, who, who in their right mind would walk away from a job um, in the Premier League. But now I, I think, you know, you might find a few managers, because it is such a merry-go-round anyway, are, are prepared to do that. But Rafa's not happy. Um, the accusations over here from some pundits have been that the negativity can spread to his squad, but he certainly isn't happy. Um, and uh, they've got a big week ahead of them in the, in the transfer window. If they get a couple of players in for him, then things might change. But as it stands, Mike Ashley saying he's not going to spend fortune. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to put a month on it. But if they continue losing and continue, and he doesn't get the stuff, the the players he wants, you know, you can see it, you know, ending uh, ending quite badly. Mike, one last one. Uh, it's amazing what a week does in football. Chelsea and, and uh, Antonio Conte was completely uh, ripped apart by their pre-season form and not being active in the transfer market and what they did in, the, in that first game against ben, uh, Burnley. Uh, but they win away from home against Tottenham and suddenly the focus is off them and on Tottenham because they haven't spent over the summer. It's crazy, isn't it, the way uh, things just change in English football week by week? Yeah, it's true. And, you know, pressure does shift from one manager to another. And the fact that Spurs, now they've got another game at Wembley at the weekend and they can't seem to, you know, get a consistent run there. I think um, Conte, it really, they, they they are not in great shape. And it's kind of a testament to his managerial skills that he could get a result like that at Wembley um, on Sunday. Um I think, yes, it does mean that the pressure's off him. Nobody's kind of, well, apart from the the people in Germany at the moment who say that Chelsea are looking at Thomas Tuchel. Um, but it seems like the, the pressure is off him for the time being. Um, but I still think that they're, they're well, well short. And they need um, they need a big a big week. And, uh, and then they need to add some quality there. Uh, to defend their title properly. Hey, Mike, it's uh, great to have the EPL back and ha- great to have an extended chat with yeah. you tonight. Uh, so uh, really yeah, appreciate right. that and enjoy the weekend and we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, speak soon. Thanks, Mike. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK, thesun.co.uk, if you want to check Mike's writings. Uh, hey, we'll take a break now and come back with more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. <laughs> On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Thanks for joining us on FFA Cup Night round of 16 games tonight. Heidelberg United defeated Sydney United uh, 4-3 on penalties after it was one all in after extra time. South Melbourne thrashed Sorrento 4-1. Adelaide United thrashed Melbourne victory 3-0. And Gold Coast City defeated Moreton Bay United uh, 1-0. Next week, uh, the Victorian team's playing. Uh, Bentley Greens take on Western Sydney Wanderers. And Hakoa Sydney City play Melbourne City uh, next week. So a couple of really interesting games next week. Just off the text messages here. Thanks to Carlos Alberto Diego for emceeing Friday morning in Geelong at my work at Simmons Stadium. Geelong for the FFV Regional Breakfast. Santino in Geelong. I actually met Santino on the day and he's a lovely guy. He came up and spoke to me. And what a buzz it was in that room. 400 people. Uh, it was a regional uh, FFV CIB function. And Rodrigo, you've been to those things. They're, They're just great. wonderful, you know, football loving people getting together mm. and just enjoying the day. And I've got to say, Simmons Stadium where we were, where, where it was uh, held with the sun coming through. It was just a beautiful day, beautiful morning. And did you share? And all we did was talk football the whole time. Yep. 
It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Who'd you interviewed? Um, Joseph Skoko, Steve Horvat, uh, uh, Joe um, Plummer, who is the head of the Geelong Football Association. And but there was a lot of uh, Joey Didalitza was there. John Didalitza spoke beautifully for the PFA. It was just I just love these events when just football people get mm. together for the good of football. And well, that's all we're talking. Anthony Grimmer, great okay. job again. By thanks, the way. thanks for representing the Diego's, Carlos. Thank it's, you. Uh, yeah, did a great job. Hi, Diego's, enjoying the show. Thank you, and enjoying the fact that Victorian clubs are in final eight FFA Cup. Go Burgers, more Suvlakis in the quarterfinals. <laughs> that's what I reckon, Pete in yeah. Bandura. Hey, um, we haven't got much time to go tonight, but. Uh, what about our stars at the moment lighting up uh, international football? Let's start with uh, Aaron Moy. Pasty Pedalog. Yeah, Pasty Pedalog. That's yours, Vinny. That's mine. It no, is, you and, know, and, people, tell you. and people are using I've it, heard, by the way. I've heard that in the stands yes. at, uh, in, in the A-League. I, I've heard media people use it. I've heard Huddersfield fans. <laughs> as they all, I, I want Mike to start using it. I think uh, that's a headline for him Monday, <laughs> yeah. front page. But look, you know what I love about Aaron Moy? What, 12 months ago, 14 months ago, was at Melbourne City. You Before doubted that, him? No, I never doubted him. I said he was the best. never doubted him. I said he was the best ever Australian to play in the A-League, and you pretty much... Well, that's arguable, number one. And secondly, I didn't say that he was a bad player. You did. Right? But he tends to really step up whenever you give him a challenge. And he seems to meet that challenge really, really well. Who knows what the capacity is here? No, and uh, Thierry Henry gave him fantastic plaudits as well. Magic, he called Magic. Him. Fantastic. Uh, what about Tommy Rogic, who has uh, started off incredibly well for Celtic as well? Brendan Rogers called him... A special talent. A big talent. A big talent. That's it. Sorry, I've got to get those words right. Uh, and he's just floating. Only if you're I floating. Mean, can, you float a, can you float amongst the bog? He's not as good of, as Aaron Moore, Scottish though. footballers. For, for a tall, lanky guy, he just he, he does is, float, he doesn't he? And there was a change of pace in the goal he created against gears. Kilmarnock on the week. Gears. There were gears. So yeah. I just hope... Because he's not been able to recreate You've got to wrap him in plastic too. You need to put him in a bubble. He's a bit injury prone. But the thing is... Uh, Warren, they look good for their clubs, but when they get into this training camp, how are we going to recreate the floating above the ground <laughs> that Rogic does? Change the strip. And the, and the brilliance of Moy. Yes. And, and I know you're going to be talking about Lecky in a minute. Yeah, I, I was. What about him? He's, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I don't want to put words in your voice. I was actually going to talk about Sam Kerr. But, okay, uh, sorry. Sam a brace Kerr. for no, Lecky. How good was Lecky, though, for his new club? Yeah, uh, uh, look... What the problem with him scoring two goals is, we're going to expect <laughs> he's, he's him to score goals. goals. He's done his goals already. But he know. needs that expectation, Carlos. It'll be good now. He's... Yeah. But the first one was world class, oh, that, yeah. that yeah. first goal he scored. No, it's great to see him. Scoring form is good form, Carlos. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> Sam Kerr is oh, scoring for fun at the wow. moment. Four goals in a half of football for her Sky wow. Blue FC in the National Women's Soccer League in the US. How good is she going at the moment? Is she the most marketable Australian female sports person right now? Absolutely. She'd have to be Without right doubt. up there. Great footballer, scores goals for fun all over the world for Australia and for clubs. And let me, you know, she's okay looking, aesthetically good looking. Oh, she plays beautifully, Carlos. Yeah, that's very, a, very yeah. talented. What I'm saying is she's a package. She's a package. That could be a nickname. Yeah. Hey, guys, um, you know what? what? That's it for this week's show. <laughs> on that, no- on that note, um, hey, thanks for your company tonight. Congratulations to Heidelberg and South Melbourne tonight. So remember, Carlos. We have a Puerto Rican girls hang out. We'll, we'll be there. there. We'll be Samba, Rumba and La Bamba. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. There are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet. We'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever gringos play football. We'll, we'll be there. there. We are the 48. Olé. Olé.